This Word is for everyone. This Word today, I've been excited about it since early in the week when the Lord gave this to me. I'm so excited because I believe we are right on the verge of a major breakthrough in the spiritual realm. We're going to begin to see things happen. We're going to begin to see things happen. In fact, that's the title of my message today. Expect to see things happen. Expect to see things happen. That's the title of my message this morning. I'm going to start in Mark chapter 11. And I want to read a couple of verses there. Mark chapter 11 verse 22 is where I'm going to start. We need to be expecting. Every time we come in this house, we need to expect something to happen. Every time we come together as the body of Christ, we need to be expecting for things to happen. Chapter 11, starting in verse 22, and I'm reading out of the New King James. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And I want to read that last verse in the King James. It says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Father, I thank you for this word. You know I've been excited all week as you planted this uh, word in my heart early in the week as you planted this expectation in my heart early in the week. Lord, we're so thankful for what Your Word says. The encouragement, Lord, that is fixing to be poured out on everyone as I share these stories from the Word about how expecting got results. Oh no, Father God, I pray each and every heart receives this Word. Each and every heart is prepared to receive the power that comes from Your Word. Lord, I ask You for a special anointing on me this morning. Lord, I just pray that that everyone, when we leave here today, they'll say, wow, wow, it was good to hear God's Word this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. And Amen. That opening Scripture there in Mark talks about expectation. Whatever we ask, we believe we receive it. How many of you started your car this morning? Some of you just spoke it into existence. Some of you didn't start it. But when you turned that key, you expected that motor to start. When you walked out the door and, and, and you opened that door, you expected that door to open and close normally. In the physical realm, we expect stuff all the time. If we could just get it in our minds and get it in our hearts to begin to expect things in the spiritual world, like we've come to expect and have faith in. We have faith that when we sat down on these pews this morning, they were going to hold us and they weren't going to crumple to the ground. We have faith in, in many things. We have faith in the security that we have in our homes. And, and we have faith that, that our law enforcement and firemen are going to protect us. We put faith in our doctors to give us the best care. But if we could get past just having faith in the physical realm and begin to expect things to happen 
in the spiritual realm, then we're going to see even more physical manifestation. Amen? That's good stuff. I should have heard a couple of amens. That's good stuff. When we begin to put our faith in action and begin to expect in the spiritual realm like we expect in the physical realm, we're going to start seeing things happen. We're going to start seeing lots and lots of things happen. There's many examples in the, in the Bible, both New and Old Testament, about people who expected things to happen. When, when they pray, they didn't say, Lord, if it be Your will, do this. They prayed expecting it was going to happen. They spoke the Word. They believed. They knew who their God was. They knew who Jesus was. The disciples had traveled with Him. The Old Testament prophets, they had that relationship. They spent time with God. They spent time in prayer. They spent time before God seeking His face and His guidance. And when they spoke, they knew that the Word was going to have effect. Amen? We've got to have that same kind of faith. There's not a place in Acts chapter 29 that says, and then all of this stopped. It don't say that. We should still be expecting things to happen today. We should still be expecting to see things happening in the spiritual and the physical. First in the spiritual, it happens, and then it begins to physically manifest. Like healings. Like deliverances. Like salvations. Before anyone can be saved, the Holy Spirit has to draw them. There's something happens in the spiritual realm. And the hearts are prepared. And they're drew to the Lord. And then it begins to manifest in the physical. But when we pray, like, like Jesus was telling them here in Mark 11, uh, 22 and 24, Jesus was telling them, you need to expect to receive. They were marveling. This is right after uh, they had come back out of Jerusalem and they seen the uh, fig tree all withered up and, and one of the disciples, I think it was Peter, yep, it was Peter, said, hey, look at that tree. It's dead. Well, he said, yeah, I cursed it. I, expe I expected it to die. I cursed that fig tree. I, I spoke it. I expected it. He, he didn't give it another thought. Jesus didn't. He's trying to teach the disciples a lesson here that whatsoever you speak, and He goes on to tell them that. Whatever you speak, whatever you believe for, whatever you have enough faith to believe for, you can have it. And we speak to that thing and we pray in the spiritual and we should expect to see the physical manifestations. We see power all the time around us. We've We've seen changes of power in government. We see people that have power of popularity. Folks, we've got the power of the Most High God right at our fingertips. All we've got to do is reach out and believe for it and use it and expect to see things to happen. You expect everything else to work. You expect your lights to come on when you flip the switch and your air conditioners and, and all this stuff in the physical, we've got faith enough to believe in that. If we'd just start having faith enough to believe in the spiritual, it would happen. We'd begin to see it. I want to give you a couple of examples. I want to start with a New Testament example. If you'll flip over to Acts chapter 3, we're going to talk about the example of Peter and John and how expectation comes into play. Acts chapter 3, Starting in verse 1. Going to read about 10 verses there. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, 
whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they, be, then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This guy had been sitting by the gate probably the better part of his life asking for donations. I, I can't work. I, I'm crippled. Crippled from birth. Sitting at the gate. When Peter and John come by, he was expecting them to throw a couple of coins in there. He looked at them expecting to receive Receive something. Peter said, hey, I ain't got no money. But he said, I'll tell you what I do have. I know a God that can, that can fix this. You won't have to beg money anymore. That's what Peter's thinking. He says, get up and walk in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And, and the man was healed right then. He'd been crippled from his birth. He was expecting to receive something. He got a whole lot more than he was expecting to receive. When Peter spoke those words and stuck his hand out, Peter was expecting the power of God to raise that man up, and it happened. Peter didn't say, Lord, if it's your will, raise this man up. He didn't say that. He said, rise up and walk in the name of the Lord. Jesus gave us that same authority. It didn't stop with Peter. Acts 29 don't say, and when Peter and all the other uh, apostles and the original uh, great church leaders that ministered left, that all this power left too. It didn't say that, did it? That power is still here until Jesus Christ returns. We still have that same power. When we pray, ask and believe, believing that we'll receive, that same Holy Spirit that worked through Peter when he stuck his hand out to that lame man and helped him to his feet, that same power is still available to every believer today. But why aren't we seeing more miracles manifest today? I think it's because we've misplaced our faith. A large, a large part of people, they, they just don't believe in that anymore. Well, you know, you know, I don't have to do that. i got a doctor. Doctors don't do everything. Doctors can only heal what God allows to be healed. And I'm not saying don't go to doctors, folks. That's not what I'm saying at all. I, 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 I love it because most of the time, doctors, they validate the miracles. Doctors have a place. They validate the miracles. And yes, there are certain things that have become routine. We've been studying the Old Testament and in the Old Testament, some of that ceremonial cleansing and things like that that the people had to do, I'm glad we got doctors. The doctors took a lot of work off the priest. Y'all know what I'm talking about in the Old Testament. You read through Leviticus and some of those that we've been studying. Uh, Connie and I are studying them in our daily, daily studies. Um, I thank God for doctors. They have a place. And, and a lot of those conditions that Moses was doing the washing for are things we know today is just simple conditions like mold growing in our house and things like that. Things that just happen because of the climate. But the priests used to do all that. 
I thank God for the knowledge. I thank God for the, for the medical science that, that exists today. But you know what? Sometimes medical science can only do so much. And that's what I like at the point where people call out to God and you can clearly see it's a miracle of God. Like our brother-in-law Tom that I told you about. He's a miracle of God. The doctors, they, they just told him the other day uh, they're, they're not going to have to see him as often. He was having to go weekly. Some of, some of his doctors are going to back off a little bit. We don't, we don't have to see him. You're doing great. We can't believe it. Because they know that he is a metal, med, medical miracle. That what's happened in his life is beyond the care and the scientific knowledge that they had. They know that God has touched this man. You guys know people like that that are only here because God has touched him. There have been miracles upon miracles upon miracles. And if the churches today across this country, and God already said it in the last days, He's going to pour it out. You're going to see these signs and wonders. If we would all just have faith enough to believe that whatever we ask for, like Mark says, that we're going to be able to get it. We've got to have that kind of faith. We can't doubt. We can't doubt. Just Every time I pray, I pray believing I'm going to see it. Do I always see it? No, I don't always see it. I say the prayer in faith and I trust God for the results. Amen? Because, because it's not by my might or my power, but it's by the Spirit of God. That's how these things happen. And I can't get mad and I can't go pout if things don't go my way or if God don't answer my prayers the way I think He should. He's God, I'm not. I'm just supposed to be the faithful servant that continues to seek Him. But this, this, this man, what a medical, medical uh, marvel. The people in the temple all saw Him. They'd known this guy's whole life. They know He was crippled. He started out walking. Then He started jumping. I believe He probably did a little jig and run around the, run around the temple there. Man. How would you feel if you had been crippled your entire life and one day, you looked at someone and he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. He had faith enough to believe that Peter knew what he was talking about. He had faith enough to receive what Peter was putting on him. And it wasn't gold or silver. What Peter put on him was better than gold or silver. Because now that man would be able to work and support himself the rest of his life. He wouldn't have to, to, to count on people giving him their charity and having pity on him and feeling sorry for him. He got his self-respect back that day as well as his healing. Flip over to Kings with me. We're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 16. Look at some Old Testaments of people expecting. Peter was expecting. The lame man was expecting. God delivered and they received. Amen. And guess who got all the glory? God got all the glory. Peter didn't get the glory for that. That man was praising God when he went through the temple. 1 Kings chapter 16. I'm going to look at, look at one of my favorite Old Testament examples here. I want to give you a little background before we get into the, to the really good part. Starting in about verse 29. I want to read a few verses there. Chapter 16 verse 29. Give you a little background on what's going on in the country of Israel. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, the son of Amari, became king over Israel. 
And Ahab, the son of Amari, reigned over Israel and Samaria 22 years. Now Ahab, the son of Amari, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. And it came to pass as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took as wife Jezebel, the daughter of Edabal, king of the Sidonians, and he went and served Baal, the false god, the evil god, and worshipped him. Then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who went before him. At this point in time, of course we've already had David, we've already had Solomon, we've already had the temple built, we've had the the great kings and then we begin this slide and we begin to have these evil kings ruling the country. And Ahab at this point in time is the most evil king they have had so far. To the point that the false gods are being given glory. And he, and he marries for his wife Jezebel. A very evil, very controlling type of woman. And he's done all this evil. And, and, and brought evil on land. And, and God begins to speak to the prophet Elijah. Let's pick up in verse 17. Verse 1. Chapter 17 there, verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan, and it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed at the brook of Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So God speaks to Elijah and and tells him, because of the evil, because of the the evil and the, uh, the false gods being promoted and everything that this king has done, I'm going to show my power to this land and I'm going to he poured out a little bit of judgment on him. And he stopped the rain and the drought came. But he provided for his man. He provided for Elijah. How would you like it if you're just sitting at your house every morning and the birds bring you something to eat? Now today we might think that's, that's better. We, we better reach in our refrigerator and get something to eat. But God sent the birds to bring him meat and bread every day. And he had the, the fresh clean water of the brook right there by him for several, several years. Remember this drought lasts three years. So God's providing for him. He's showing the king that, hey, I'm in control. Oh, evil king Ahab, I got this, and I'm showing you what I can do. And, and, and later on, when the brook dries up, and I'm going to paraphrase here, he goes on and he lives with the widow. Everybody remembers the next part of the story. He goes to the widow's house when the brook dries up, and, the, and he asks the widow, to make him something to eat. She says, hey, I've just got a handful of flour and a little bit of oil left. And, and in fact, I was just getting ready to make a cake for me and my son and then we were going to die. We were going to eat our last meal and die. He says, make me a cake and, and let me share with you. So she does that. She lets go of her last provision. 
She pulls it out and she shares her last provision. She believed by faith. She says, well, he tells me. And she believed him. She probably saw the presence of God on him. So She makes the cake. He eats. Her son eats. And she eats. And then, oh, by the way, for the next umpteen weeks and months, she keeps having flour in her barrel. She keeps having oil to cook, cook it with. She keeps having plenty to eat to feed her, her son, and the prophet. And it never empties out. I'd love that if I never had to go back to Kroger or Bill's. Especially Bill's, man. He's high on some of his stuff in there. I know Bill's, Bill's gone home to be with the Lord by now, but local grocery stores, they don't sell in bulk, so they have to have higher prices. I understand that. How would you like it if you never run out of food? Every time you reached in there, you never had to buy another bag of cornmeal. Never had to buy another bag of flour. Never had to go buy any more pork chops. God just kept providing and providing. She couldn't explain it. The land was in severe drought. She just knew that this was a man of God and that he said, if you'll make it for me, trust me. And she fed him and she, she never run out of food. Every day, and you can, you can read that on down through 17 and, 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 and on down through there. It's talking about the provision. But she had to let go of what she had and trust God to use what she had. She gave the last of her substance and entrusted it to God. This man of God told me to do it. I'm trusting in Him. And it happened. Man, I would love that. Save on the grocery bill too, wouldn't it? That's provision. That's provision. You know, we still serve a God of provision. Maybe He don't do it the same way He did in the Old Testament, but He provides us jobs. He provides us... Uh, sometimes even if our jobs is not providing enough, He provides, lays it on someone else's heart to help us. I've told you all the story before, how things got real desperate for my uncle, and in the middle of the night, an angel come to his door and brought him bags of groceries. And they knew it was an angel because there was snow on the ground. And when they it caught them off guard, the woman just walks in her house. It looked like a woman to them. Dropped two bags of groceries. And they went to the door after she walked out the front door. Look, there's no footprints in the snow. And that was immediately after. God provides. If we just trust in Him, He's going to provide. If we're trusting Him and we're faithful to Him and obedient to Him, God is going to provide. But you know what? When Elijah told her that, he expected his God to show up and be strong. When the widow uh, did that, she expected that something was going to happen. The level of expectation was there. There was belief there. You read on down a little further. Uh, verse 17. The widow's son became sick. And his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, What have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to, to bring to my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? And he said to her, Give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodged by killing her son? And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray, 
let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. He came back to life. When Elijah began to pray for this little little the widow's son that had that had passed, he was dead, folks. He was dead. When he began to pray, he expected his God to show up and to answer his prayer. He didn't say, oh Lord God, if, if it be your will. He didn't beg, please, please, please heal this boy. He, he announced him. He knew his God. He had a relationship with his God. When we have a relationship with our God, we can expect him to hear our prayers and answer. He boldly came to God, told God what the need was, asked God to take care of it. And he expected God to take care of it. Guess what? God took care of it. Just like he fed him. Now he, now he heals the, the widow's son and, and brings him back to life. And I'll just paraphrase a little bit because I've already uh, preached this, this next part. Chapter 18, when they have the showdown at Mount Carmel. And Elijah pours water all over the wood and he'd, he'd got all the prophets of Baal, all the false prophets together and and he ends up, and I, I preached this one day when I was talking about the power of the altar. He just, you know, he was even teasing them. <clears throat> well, maybe your God's asleep. Maybe your God's gone away on a journey. And, and their God wouldn't come. He, they'd made the agreement. Whoever's God shows up with fire and takes these uh, offerings off the, off the uh, altars here, that's the God who's real. Baal never showed up to do anything. His altar remained untouched. Elijah, even showing out a little bit, trusting his God with a whole lot of faith, he even watered down. I mean, no fire has trouble burning on wet stuff. He even watered down his sacrifice. Even built trenches around it to catch the water. He had a soaking mess laying on the altar. And then he just said, God, here it is. He prayed and expected God to answer God answered him with fire and, and burned up all the offering. even licked up the water out of the little trench around the altar. But when he prayed to his God, he, didn't, he wasn't mamby-pamby. He wasn't saying, oh Lord, if you can, if you will. No. He said, God, here it is. He just spoke it. That's faith, people. That's ex expectation. If we ask God for anything, believing and not doubting, we're going to see results. Somebody says, well, sometimes God don't answer my prayers. He always answers your prayers, but sometimes the answer might be not now. But He always answers your prayers. Sometimes it's yes. Sometimes it's no. Sometimes it's not now. But He always answers your prayer. Sometimes it may take a little while because there may be someone else involved in getting your prayer answered. And I've seen some of the best prayers answered involved a whole bunch of other people. Sometimes your blessing may be tied to somebody else's obedience. God works. He's sovereign. He works among a whole bunch of people. Sometimes He'll even cause the heathen people to come and do things to help answer your prayers. He can even move the hearts of the heathen. He moves the, the heathen rulers. He has control. He's, he's, a, he's the all-powerful God that controls all things. Each and every time Elijah prayed, he was believing something was going to happen. But it even gets better.
Jump down to verse 41 in chapter 18. We're in chapter 18. Jump down to verse 41. This is at the end of the three years. Three years has went by. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And seven times he said, Go up, go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, There is a cloud as small as a man's hand. Or a man's fist, some, some versions say. Rising out of the sea, so he said to him, Go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot, and go down before the rain stops you. Now this is after a three year drought, folks. Now it happens in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then, he, then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel, the city. When Elijah was bent down, he was doing some serious prayer. He was seeking his God for that rain. He was, he was bent down. He wasn't down there playing mamby-pamby or checkers or something. He was down there, and I believe he was engaged in some serious prayer with his God and God was probably telling him, he's hearing, speak, it's coming, it's coming. He kept sending the guy to look. On the seventh time, he said, I see one the size of a hand. Some versions of the Bible say a fist. The size of a man's fist. He said, go tell Ahab, he better get why he can get her. He's going to get wet. He's going to get mired down and not be able to, to run his chariot. It's going to get muddy. The rain's coming. He's fixing to have a rainstorm. And guess what? It began to happen. The rainstorm began to happen. And then, not only that, but the, the Spirit of the Lord comes on him and he goes and outruns the chariot and beats him to the gate of the city. That's a big God right there that, that he was serving. Guess what? It's the same God we serve today. God's still in control. God still has the power. God can still move mountains. God can still make it rain. God can still make financial blessings come. God can still make healings come. God can still give us that peace that surpasses all understandings in our heart. When there, there's men tonight that, that don't, today, around this country, they, they, don't, they may not need a healing. They may not need financial provision. There's people that need peace. There's people that don't sleep good at night. They don't have peace in their soul. We serve a God that can provide not only our material things, but that peace that we need so that we have peace. So that we lay down at night and we can rest. Oh, I know a lot of people that don't have peace. There's a lot of rich people out there that don't have peace. There's a lot of healthy people out there that don't have peace. Then I know a lot of people that maybe they ain't in perfect health, but they got peace. I'd rather have peace than anything else. I'd rather have that peace in my spirit that all is well with my soul. That I know that I serve a big God. That I can trust this God to provide for my every need. So let's get down to the nitty gritty. And the last point I want to make here. 
We saw two examples. We saw Peter and John praying, believing, the man's healed. We saw several feats over a three-year period that Elijah did. He prayed. He sought his God. God answered prayer. God showed up strong. Each and every time, the key thing that was there was the expectation that God was going to show up and do it. Expectation has to be there. If you don't expect nothing, guess what you're going to get? Nothing. If you don't expect that light switch to work and you don't turn it on, you're not going to get any light. If you don't expect God to answer your prayers, guess what? He's probably not going to answer them because you're not praying in faith. Today's church, for some reason, we've gotten, I don't know if it's scared or reluctant or complacent or that. I don't know what it is, but we, we got where we don't expect the big things from God anymore. And there's no need in that. God's still God. He, he says, I change not. He's the same yesterday, today, and He'll always be the same. God loves to do the miraculous. God loves to do things that makes man scratch his head. He likes it when the people can't explain things that he did. When the doctors say, I don't know, we thought that guy was dying. I don't know. We did all we could do. I don't know why they're still here five years later. They were supposed to die according to our medical science. God's still God. He can still do this. You know why? And, and a lot of those doctors say, well, it must, it must be because I can't explain it. I've seen doctors become believers in Jesus Christ after miracles were performed on their patients. I've heard stories and testimonies of doctors that have become believers because they've done all they could do with their human wisdom and knowledge and, 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 and 10 years of medical school and 20 years of practice and experience and they've done all they can do and they said, I don't, they're going to die. I can't help them. And then God shows up. People start praying. The expectation is there. Folks, we need to get to the point, each and every believer, we need to get to the point where we just, word says it, we just accept it, we just, we just believe it. We just expect. Every time we pray for something, we expect it to be answered. Now, sometimes it may not be answered the way we think it should be answered. And I thank God for a lot of them unanswered prayers because they would have led me wrong because I did not know what I was praying for. Like it says in the book of James, sometimes we pray amiss. We, we know not what we're asking. It's something that it's no good for us. And, and sometimes that's why God says no. But Hebrews 11.1 1 says, and it's talking about expectation, very common Scripture, it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen or not yet seen. Elijah, Peter, John, they all were praying. They didn't see the answer to their prayer, but they had the faith and they were hoping. And then, as they prayed in, the, in, in belief and broke that thing down in the Spirit, then the physical manifestation come. After seven times praying, here come the rain. The physical manifestation happened. But they had to have that believing that it would materialize. Sometimes healings happen instantaneous. I've done a whole lot of study on people like Oral Roberts and Catherine Coleman and some of the great faith healers. Sometimes you see miraculous healings happen on the spot. Sometimes you see a gradual healing take place. I don't know why God does the way He does. 
It's not up to me to understand His ways. It's just up to me to trust Him, right? It's just up to us to trust Him. We don't, we don't have to understand everything. And you know what? There's a lot of things about God we won't understand until we get on the other side. When we get on the other side, we're, it, the Bible says that we'll know all things. That we'll, we'll have understanding. Perfect understanding. And I believe to the point we won't even have to open our mouths and talk. It's, we'll, we'll have that telepathy thing going on that science fiction tries to say happens here. I believe we're going to have that. Why do I say that? Because when I saw an angel, the angel's lips wasn't moving, but I could hear the voice. It was like telepathy. That's why I believe that's the way it's going to be in heaven. That's not in the Bible. Don't go saying the pastor's teaching something like that out of the Bible. That's just my personal theory based on an experience I had. Alright, but if you read down further, these Bible, these, both these stories speak about expecting. If you turn to James chapter 5, verse 13, it reminds us of this very incident with Elijah that I just finished with. It, it, it talks about things that how we can reach out and have what we desire and what we need. It says in verse 5, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. It says in verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent, fervent means I ain't doubting. I ain't got any lack of faith. I'm, I'm consistent. I believe. I'm not wavering. Fervent prayer of a righteous man. That's someone that's walking in God's righteousness. Someone that's obedient to God's Word. They're not playing games with God. They're not just Sunday morning Christians. A righteous man or a righteous woman. Their prayers avails much. Verse 17. It, it brings back this same story I just shared with you. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Then he prayed again after this time period, and heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. If the church would dig in with God, I'm not just talking to us, I'm talking to church, universal. If the church would dig in with that kind of faith that believes their God is big enough and powerful enough to do whatever He wants to, to do. That whatever they ask in His name, believing they receive it, we're going to start seeing the miracles again. That's what's going to cause the end time revival. The Spirit of God moving across the church people, working, showing people who God is. People don't want to serve a God that don't have any power. Amen? That's why witchcraft... And sorcery is so strong today because they, they've got all kinds of black magic stuff they do and they can see people bend spoons with their minds and some of that wicked stuff. But if the church would let the power of the Holy Spirit feel welcome again in all the churches across this nation, we would have revival like they had at the Azusa Street Revival. Where they didn't worry about if this person was black or Hispanic or whatever. There was people of all races at the Azusa Street Revival. There was, there was people of all races at, on the day of Pentecost that seen the outpouring when, when Peter and the rest of the 120 believers were there 
went in one mind and one accord. Everybody focused, seeking the power of the Lord. Oh, if the church would get that power back today. That's what's missing in most churches. The Holy Spirit don't feel welcome in most churches. I want to see the Holy Spirit here every time we're here. And most of the time lately, I've been feeling the Spirit here. But I'll be honest with you, I go in some churches, I don't think the Holy Spirit's anywhere near them places. But in order for the Holy Spirit to be able to take up permanent habitation in a church, He has to feel welcome. He has to feel like it's a place where He has the liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That says that in Scripture. The Holy Spirit has to feel like He has uh, the liberty and the freedom to move and that people's not going to be critical and judgmental and, and all those kind of things. Elijah prayed for it to rain and it rained. Elijah prayed for that son to come back to life and he come back to life. Peter and John prayed for that man to be healed. He was healed. Expectation is the key. No wavering. That's what it said in Mark 11, the first Scripture I shared with you. It said, believe you will get it. Speak to that mountain and it will be done. Whatever that need is, speak to it. But we've got to have the faith. We're going, to, we're going to start it. Here's the thing though. I think the reason a lot of people, and I heard of one Pentecostal church, it broke my heart, but if someone broke out praying in tongues or whatever, they would rush that person to a room in the back of the church and get them out. The Holy Spirit does things in the open. The Holy Spirit, you don't, rush, you don't dismiss the Holy Spirit to a closet in the back of your church. That's what was happening in this one church. But when the Holy Spirit shows up, it may be some things start happening we're not used to. There may be some things start manifesting that we hadn't seen. How many believe there's still people out there today that need deliverance? Whether it be from addictions, whether it be from outright demon uh, possession. Some people, they may not be possessed, but the, but but the spiritual warfare is so hard on them, they're being oppressed. And even church folks get oppressed. I've got spirits always trying to oppress me. Trying to hold me back. I know this next week because I'm telling y'all all this. They're going to attack me. It happened last week. It happens every week. How many of y'all prayed for me this week? Praise God, I covet your prayers. Keep praying for me because the devil comes at me. And there's people, and, and he torments me. He can't possess me because I'm already possessed by the Holy Spirit. Satan can't get in here. Okay? Amen? But, but he's going to attack me because I'm sharing this stuff with you because I want to see the miraculous start operating right here. I want to see people coming in, getting healed. I've seen it before in other churches. We can see it here. It ain't us that does it. We can't develop a program to build the church. We can allow the Holy Spirit to draw the people in and build the church. And people will come because the signs and wonders are coming. And God wants to pour His Spirit out and do that. We've just got to step into it. When we pray, we got to believe it. Folks, we're right there. We're right there at the door. I feel it. I've been, I've been in deep prayer about it. God says, I'm fixing to do some things. And He even told us in a message uh, here, here about a month ago. He said, I'm fixing to do some new things. There ain't no telling what we're going to see. We may see some things happen. People come in that are so bound up that, that we need to cast demons out of them. You never know. 
That's still very real. I've seen demon-possessed people. I've seen evil spirits come out of people. I've seen people that are beat down by spirits. They're not possessed, but they're oppressed. I've seen people that were blind, their eyes open up. We saw this at a church in Jackson when we were having a prayer meeting one night. And when these things happen, when they begin to happen, we do like the man that got healed, the crippled man. We go running and leaping in the temple, in the city streets. We tell everybody what great and wonderful things that God has done for us. Those people that get set free, that's been bound up, they're going to go tell them. When I, I love going to True Vine Ministries on Monday nights. Them guys stand up and give their testimony about what great things God has done for them. They were bound up in drugs and, and alcohol and different things. They can't wait to share with somebody what God's done with them. What God's done through them. What He's done for them. If we would get to that point where we begin to allow the Spirit to move and to work in our church, then there's going to be plenty of stories to go outside these walls. Hey, we, you know, stories would be down there to grab and go and instead of just talking about you know, who got a new boat or a new car or something, they'll be talking about, hey, did y'all hear somebody went in that, that church up on the hill and they got healed? There was a blind guy walked into a church service at Life Chapel and a bunch of folks prayed for him and he walked out of there see, can y'all believe that? They're going to talk. And that's the kind of stuff that God wants to happen. You know, when Jesus first started His ministry, and we're studying this on Wednesday nights, we're studying Jesus' ministry. When He first starts, He tells the people, don't go tell anyone. Remember at first He's telling them the first, because the crowds, He knew that the crowds were going to become so much that he wouldn't be able to handle the crowd. And it got to the point where Jesus couldn't have any privacy. By the time his three and a half year ministry was up, he couldn't have any privacy because of all the miracles that were being happening, people were just flocking to him. People were just pressing in on him. He, 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 he had to go out and sleep in the gardens and on the hilltops and stuff to get any peace and to get some physical rest for his body. Folks, that's the kind of stuff it built it. It wasn't, it wasn't just Jesus as a person. It was the Holy Spirit working through Jesus performing the miracles. It's going to be the Holy Spirit working through the church, through individuals who have faith enough to believe that their God is big enough and capable and able to do whatever they ask Him to do. That's what's going to take to build the church. If you look back in history, every time there was great revival, and I spoke last week about us preparing for the great awakening that's, that's got to come before the great revival can come. The great awakening, we have to, 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 to prepare for that. and We have to make the Holy Spirit feel welcome to come in. And then once that comes, the signs, the wonders, and the miracles begin to happen. And it ain't us doing it. All we're doing is being obedient to God. We're praying for people. We're, we're praying uh, and doing some spiritual warfare against things that have got our loved ones bound up. Some people can't get saved because they got so much oppression on them. We have to pray some of that oppression off of them so they can hear the Word of God and they can be saved. Their ears are so jammed full of other stuff. If we'll just be obedient and seek the Lord and be praying and be digging in and be believing, we're going to start seeing that thing. We're going to start seeing those kind of things. We're going to start seeing people come in because where the Spirit of the Lord is, people are drawn to the Spirit of the Lord. In any of those revivals, you want to look at the Welsh revival, you want to look at the revivals that happened in Scotland, in England, 
uh, Smith Wigglesworth. I mean, I've studied all these guys. And every one of them started with people with humble hearts, seeking God genuinely, on their knees before God, saying, Lord, I repent. Forgive me. Lord, show me what You want me to do. And being obedient to the Holy Spirit, and revival came. Because it was a spirit revival. It has to happen in the Spirit before we can see the Spirit uh, physical manifestation. And that's where our faith comes from. And that's where our obedience comes from. We can be obedient to God. We can get serious with God about desiring it and wanting it. And then when He speaks to us and He tells us to do something, if we'll step out in faith and do it. And then it happens. Everybody's sitting around. Uh, I see a lot of people in churches, they say they're waiting on the great revival. I say, well, what are you doing to usher the revival in? You're part of that. Well, we're just waiting for the Holy Spirit to show up. Well, you got to be seeking. You got you, you got to be doing some praying. You got to be be fighting. And, and on Monday nights they're teaching uh, spiritual warfare, the the armor of God. That's what that's about. That's spiritual warfare. That was written in the book of Ephesians, and the country of Ephesus was was the most evil country that the apostle Paul ministered in. They had such sorcery and witchcraft and everything. That's why uh, that that's probably in that particular chapter. It was a very evil place. We've got to learn that we've got to do. Some, some battle in the spiritual with our prayers so that we be, can begin to see the physical manifest. This is not, this is not for, for weak Sunday morning Christians. This is for people that are sold out for God. This, this is how this stuff happens. We've got to have that kind of faith. Amen? How many, how many like this kind of preaching? We need this kind of stuff, guys. This, this is what it's going to take. Yeah, we could... We could build some programs. We could put in a coffee bar in the back and maybe put some black lights up here and play rock and roll music and we'd draw some crowds in there. But will we have a, a church full of saved people or will we have a, a bunch of rubberneckers just wanting to see what's going on because of the excitement that we built out of our human wisdom? I want the Holy Spirit to cause the revival to happen. That's the way, that's the way it's happened every other revival. When we get hungry, to see a move of God. It's going to take each and every one of us. I challenge each and every one of you this next week. Please pray for me because I'm going to start getting beat up probably starting this afternoon. The old devil's going to start persecuting me. He's going to come at me, attack me. I know that. But I'm ready for him. But I need your prayers. Y'all pray for me. And begin to pray for those people you know that are lost. Every one of us got at least probably three or four relatives that we need to be praying for. Every one of us probably got a neighbor or somebody down the street or somebody we work for that we know needs saved. But you need to begin to pray for them. You need to begin to pray that, that God re removes and, and pulls the things off of them. You begin to pray against those addictions that they're battling. They can't get saved as long as Satan's got them so bound up. So we need to begin to pray and believe and expect results and we'll start seeing that happen. That's what it takes to build a church. If we wanted just to do a bunch of fancy programs, yeah, we could probably fill this church up if we started giving free coffee and breakfast and, and, and things like that. But we'd end up with a house full of, maybe not, they might not necessarily be saved. They might just be coming for the free coffee and the free, the free egg McMuffins or whatever we did, was doing. But if we begin to have a house where the Holy Spirit feels welcome, and the Holy Spirit begins to pour out His love and His compassion, and He begins to heal people and set people free, 
Then the word gets out. There's something different about that church. Yeah, I've been to some churches where, man, it's cool we got the, the, the lights in that, but there's something different about that church. You can feel the power of God in that place. That's the kind of church, the real church, that Jesus Christ is looking for. That's the kind of church that He's coming back for. It's setting people free. Bow your heads with me. Father, I thank You. Lord, I thank You for this Word You've given me. Lord, I've been excited all week. Lord, I thank You that You still, you still choose to, to use people like me and people like everyone else in this room, that You still choose to use us as willing vessels to build Your kingdom. Lord, I'm, I'm humbled and I'm grateful that You still see fit to use us humans even all the mess that we've made of, of our lives, that if we just submit to You, that You would still use us. That You could still use someone that was bound up in alcohol. That You could still use someone that's been through uh, drug addictions. You could still use someone who's committed heinous crimes to include murder. That You can turn people's lives around and use them to bring glory to Yourself. Father, that You can deliver us of all those things that are on us. Lord, it just... It boggles my mind. Lord, I'm so amazed as I look and I see all the great things that You do. Father, we pray for Your Spirit upon this church. Father God, let us see a move of Your Spirit like we haven't seen in some time. Lord, we want You to take up habitation here. Not just occasional visitation among us. Lord, we want Your Spirit to always be here. Lord, You're welcome here. Your Holy Spirit is welcome. Father God, we earnestly seek You. Father, we desire that all the gifts begin to manifest here. The gifts that are most needed at the time are the greatest gifts. Lord, we understand there's a place for prophecy. There's a place for healing. There's a place for miracles. There's a place for tongues and interpretation of tongues. Lord, we want the gifts to flow in accordance with Your will and in accordance with what the church needs so we can be effective kingdom builders for You. Father, I pray strength. I pray strength upon each and every person here. Lord, help each and every person to have the tenacity and, and, and the stay in power to dig in and pray through the rough times. When the enemy comes in like a flood, that they resist him and they fight him with your word. That they read what your word says and they rebuke the devourer and the the accuser, when he comes in to steal, kill, and destroy. Lord, that we have that power and that we remember our sword, which is the Word of God. And then we come against the devil and do that battle we need to do so we can press on and be kingdom builders. Winners never quit and quitters never win. We understand that, Lord. Lord, we don't want to be quitters. We want to be winners. We want to press forward and do what Your Word says do. We want to make disciples of everyone we come in contact with. Lord, I pray for an increase in volunteers in the church to help us with the various ministries that we're going to need to do. Lord, we know as Your Spirit begins to pour out and people begin to get saved, that Lord, we need to have discipleship programs in place. We need to be able to, to minister to their needs. We need people in, in different areas. Kids ministry, youth ministry, children's ministry. We need volunteers in all areas. We need more musicians, more music people. We need more people to serve You and to help us make disciples as Your Spirit draws these men and women unto You. As people find salvation, as this church begins to grow, 
Lord, we need more volunteers. And Lord, as we begin to grow and we begin to disciple new believers, Lord, it just keeps multiplying itself. Lord, help us to have that strength to press through. We went through some rough times. Lord, help us to press through and get past the past and move forward with You to be kingdom builders and to disciple these new believers as they start flooding in. Lord, help us to be ready to do that. Before we leave this place today, I would just like to ask if there's, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, is there one here today that 